and welcome to Woman of Letters, Freedom Church's first book club podcast. The podcast where we will be going through books by women for women. My name is Brina, and I will be your host on this pursuit of wisdom and true identity. Being women of letters, we uphold a standard of growth and love. We strive for knowledge, and we do not give up when things get hard. So go, grab your coffee, a notebook, maybe something to write with, and let's get started. All right, so we are officially halfway through this book. For those of you who are just joining us, we've been breaking down one chapter each week of Without Rival by Lisa Bevere. And today we're discussing chapter five, When You're Seen as a Rival. I usually open up with a short reading, and today will be from page 100 and 101. Rivals are a fact of life. I know. Sorry. I don't like it either, but it's true. And yet rivals are not without purpose. Creating a life without rival is not about removing rivals from your life. Rather, it is about understanding that truly all things can work together for our good when we are called according to God's purpose. We can use the dynamics of rivalry to spur us on to greater growth and insight. If viewed correctly, rivals can serve as a catalyst, exposing our weaknesses and challenging us to develop our strengths. They push us beyond our limits and cause us to look up when we feel alone. In this chapter, Lisa talks a bit about how a rival or an enemy can actually help us grow and mature. It's not always the problem that helps us. It's how we force ourselves to respond with that understanding. So I'd like to open the floor with our first discussion question, which is uh, to recount a time when a rival became your instructor. And as we do that, Also, I'd like to open the floor to answer the question, what has a rival exposed in your life? Brina, at the bottom on page 109, she says, when you are dealing with insecurity, an unfavorable comparison can change a friend into a rival in the blink of an eye. Mm. And I underlined that and starred it because how many times, especially as women, have we has someone spoken to us even in love Mm -hmm. um, pointing out something an issue whatever and because that's a a deep insecurity of ours we're like well i'm not talking to them anymore right i'm not i'm writing them off you know and we have to be really careful to not do that right and she even talks about that later on in the chapter about the difference between like guarding your heart and uh-huh. imprisoning your heart because we can uh-huh. guard something that's very important that's crucial that's vital to our lives without putting it behind bars and keeping it away from everyone which we'll get yeah. to a little bit later but yeah that's so good i remember um when i was in high school i actually wrote down <laughs> my story there's a little part to my testimony here um that i wanted to share because this is really where I grew as, I don't know, uh, not a youth leader, not a, you know, a woman, but this is really where I found what is Brina good at. I remember when I was in high school, there was a group of girls at my church. (laughs) Um, 
I really wanted to be friends with them. I was a singer then, of course, and I got a part in the Christmas play at church. Around that time, there was a big sleepover happening, and I wanted to be a part of it. The sleepover was like a... I don't know if you've ever heard of missionettes, but it's basically an all-girls club. So they have girls club, they have uh, boys, which is Royal Rangers, and then they have youth group at my church. So um, there were even some kids in youth group that were in this girls club, and they were having a big sleepover, and of course I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, Long story short, I was left alone that night. I went to this sleepover, and they locked me out of the room that everyone else was in. Um, the next morning I was hit in the face because I sat in someone's seat in the van on our way home. Later, it was, I don't know, I don't remember if it was that week or if it was that month, but later on I realized that I had taken one of the girl's parts in that play because I sang that part better and I had no idea. I also found out that there was a boy that some girl liked in that club and uh, this boy ended up liking me instead. And I, I was new to the church. I didn't know what was going on and I didn't realize that that was happening until later on. But I still uh, basically like I sucked it up. I just I cried by myself, but then I went back and I kept trying to be friends with these girls and um after a few years <laughs> of even just being friends with them, and uh, that was kind of my goal. And even with Cameron, my husband, um, when I met him, he didn't really talk very much. And so I said, aha, challenge accepted. So I just <laughs> kept trying to talk to him, kept trying to get to know him. That's kind of like my thing. And um, after a few years, I was able to develop a sensitivity to others, like, feelings so I could tell when someone felt like they didn't belong or if they felt like an outsider and I learned how to make everyone I came in contact with feel welcome these girls saw me as a rival and it actually revealed the gift of encouragement that I had that God had given me and yeah you know it's a sad it's a sob story (laughs) it's really hard to hear when you're getting bullied and physically abused by girls that you just want to be accepted by um But more than that, even looking back on it, I don't I'm not angry at any of them because I realize that at the time they were my rival. But that's how God revealed himself, which is what Lisa is talking about in this chapter. She even says that rivals reveal God's power. She speaks of Moses and Pharaoh, David and Goliath. The only things that made these guys famous were their rivals. And she says on page 102, regardless what rivals motives are, you can always flip a rivalry to your advantage. All you have to do is remember these two key things about control. Number one, you can't control and are not responsible for what others say, think, do, or feel. Number two, You can control and are responsible for what you say, what you think, do, or feel. And that's exactly what she was talking about with changing how we see our rivals in this chapter. So rivals reveal God's power. I'd like to read discussion question chapter, uh, chapter three, discussion question number three and number four, and we'll get some discussion going about those. Uh, She talks about David and... 
uh, Saul. So David and Goliath, Goliath was his rival. We all know David because of the, the slingshot and the, the stone, right? And it was almost, it was impossible what David did to Goliath, but God made it happen. And he was confident in who God was. Now we move on a little further in David's life. David was anointed king. Um, actually before this, David was anointed king, but he got invited to go live with King Saul, which was the king at the time. And King Saul was like a father to him. He invited David in. He let David play the harp. He ended up making David over the, um, he was a general over the army. And more importantly, he went with the army to all the battles and he won all of the battles. And they would come back and all the people, King Saul would hear all the people singing about David. You know, oh, King Saul has killed tens of thousands or no, King Saul has killed thousands of people. uh, But David has killed tens of thousands and kind of making it seem like David was actually better than Saul, which if you look at the numbers, he was better than Saul. But Saul ended up taking that and and seeing David as his rival now, which of course we see David's pain throughout the scriptures. And even in Psalms, he's poured his heart out. God, what have you forgotten about me? You see what's going on. And David was sad that someone that he saw as a father to him had completely changed and now is saying that David is his rival and was attempting to even kill David in his own home, all of this stuff. And so she talks about David and she uses the word gritty, which leads us to our discussion question number three. It says, uh, what are some areas where you are gritty? I don't know if you guys remember um, her mentioning gritty David. Um, And if you would like to explain what gritty David is to you and then uh, let us know an area where you think that you're gritty. (laughs) What I understood as far as grit related to David was You know, even though like the odds were against him, of course, he was much smaller than Goliath in size. And even though the odds were stacked against him, you know, he still triumphed in the end. He still had like that heart, like he Mm. he still passed the the adversaries and still kept going. And just to me, it's just not giving up, even when things don't look, you know, like it's going to work out for you, per se. Right. Just going, keep fighting like a fighter. That's how I perceive it. Perfect. She says on page 106, when you are positioned to face an impossible rival, you have two choices, surrender and yield or rise to your full stature and call on that gritty something bigger within you. Would someone like to share maybe some area that God has revealed to you that is uh, where like that area where you are gritty? (laughs) David, um, he knew who he served Mm -hmm. and he knew he knew without a shadow of a doubt there wasn't an ounce of doubt in his body that he was going to slay goliath there wasn't Mm -hmm. a a doubt in his mind that that little stone was not what was going to take him down god was going to take him down and he was going to be the victor and so he stood on that because he had seen god do miracles in the past you know and um I think that that is what our whole Christian walk is about is 
like we're specifically talking right now about um, our rivals and our adversaries causing us to be strengthened. Like, Brina, had you not gone through what you went through, you could never have ministered the way that you do now mm-hmm. to youth. You would not have had such a sensitive heart where you cry immediately right. when you feel somebody having that same situation happen. We've all had those areas in our lives like that. Like, you know, we are so sensitive. Like I am, I am so sensitive to people with cancer because I've walked through that with my husband, you know, and I can stand and, and just bring heaven down praying for somebody that's facing cancer because I, I've been through it. I've walked through that fire, you know? And I think that, um, I think that's what, I think that's what, our whole Christian walk is about is mm-hmm. we can either use what the enemy brings towards us and let it strengthen us or it can take us out. Right. And as times worsen and get harder and harder, that's what I'm learning yeah. every day is things are getting harder. The more you press in, the harder the enemy hits you with mm-hmm. everything left and right. And you just have to stand and say, devil, you know, bring your best shot because I'm going to hit you with a stone right between your eyes. Yeah. Well, I believe that that's where you are gritty. That's a gritty area of your life. That's where you find your grit is in knowing who God is. That's awesome. I feel like anytime it comes to my family or siblings and even in school, I could be like, I was the most shyest person in the world. But when you mess with my <laughs> sister or said something, I don't know where this strength and this words and this courage came from. But I was able to, you know, stand up for them. And I feel like in a way, uh, David was kind of in that position too. You know, that, you mm-hmm. know, his siblings were were there, were fighting, and they were everybody was afraid of this person. And he went with a hundred percent of who he was, he mm-hmm. went with a hundred percent of what he knew, and all he knew was, you know, he knew how to, you know, slay, um, you know, tigers and bears. He used to fight them with, you know, stones, and that's how he used to also kill them or knock them out. So he went with what he knew in his mind, but he knew that he had something more powerful than what he can bear. So he just he like just as Christians, we also need to come out with a hundred percent of our best yeah of who we are but god will take care of the rest just know that as long as you put yourself completely available the same way god is going to back you up and i feel like that was kind of what he was doing there he knew that he was going to defend his people what with his a hundred percent of the strength that he knew he had but he depended and had a hundred percent faith in in god that he was going to take care of it Perfect. That's so good. So what are some not so gritty areas that need to be strengthened? As far for me, I think it's just worry. (laughs) A lot of worry. Um, And it's something that God is still working on in me. So I, you know, I'm just trying to learn to be more, uh, more reliant on him and more resilient and not let mm. little things worry me as much. So that's a work in progress. That's a to be continued. <laughs> and I think mine is like patience. 
Because mm. sometimes it's like people like um, kind of annoy me sometimes, and I don't know why they annoy me. I think it's just like they're diff different perspectives. Um, and then I have to remind myself, hey, they were raised differently. They saw, they see this situation in a different way, and you need to see it their way too to understand them. Wow. So that's been a work in progress as well for me. That's good. Patience. It's me, isn't it, Wanda? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was me. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Patience. I feel like... That actually goes right into what I was going to say. That's so funny. I was joking about that, but I was going to say, my thing where I'm not so gritty is I care too much about mm. what other people think. Mm. I care so much. I want to please everybody. I want everybody to be happy with me all the oh. time. And if somebody's not happy, I'll do, I will move mountains to make it right. You know, at my own wow. expense, because I want everybody to be happy. And I think that's a woman thing, isn't it? <laughs> I am with you. I'm the same yeah. way. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed and trying to please everybody that I end up in pieces myself. <laughs> or I get so you know, tire. I'm, I want to be in everything and any little thing that I could do to make someone happy or make someone's day. And it gets exhausting. And then I need to go back to God and say, God, I need the strength. And because now I am worn out and in pieces myself. <laughs> I feel like I've lost compassion, which we're getting to this a little bit later. But because I wasn't guarding my heart, I was imprisoning my heart and hardening my heart. I've lost that compassion for people so yeah i'm still an empath yeah i can still feel what you're feeling and i still have a gift to to see it even in the spiritual the supernatural realm i could be in my room and i start feeling this loneliness and i start praying and the holy spirit will show me who to pray for but I still don't have that compassion for people. So when someone tells me they're, and it's funny, the fact that I even call it a sob story shows that I need help in this area of compassion. That like, I will hear someone's story and I'm like, okay. And it literally just happened on Sunday. So, which we'll pray for this a little bit later, but my mom is sick. And my dad said, you know, your mom is really sick. She has the flu. And my immediate response to him was, well, she's going to get better, right? Oh my gosh. Can you believe I said that about my own mother? Like there was no compassion whatsoever. And I think that also goes hand in hand with what Wanda was saying, like patience for people, but also have compassion and be able to put myself in their shoes and say, wow, they must really be having a hard time. Even if I could have handled it well, they can't and they're not handling it well. You know, and that's what I keep wanting to say is like, mine is compassion i am definitely need help in that area and that compassion is a fruit of the spirit i believe that like when we get to know jesus the whole book of john is about jesus's compassion for people but that's one of the ways that we can turn our response to our rival is by showing them compassion and i i definitely think that as i've grown up that's something that i've been able to do with those girls that i used to know and those girls that used to be my friends is because I said, you know what? I'm not going to give up on them. Everyone else gives up, but I'm not going to give up. And two of them ended up being my best friends. One of them is still one of my really good friends. And we talk to this day. The other one, we don't keep up at all. But I could say that for years, she was a really good friend to me. 
And um, it was because I was able to not give up on them and change that response towards them. With that being said, I wanted to read a little bit from page 106 and 107 just to kind of uh, summarize how God reveal or how rivals reveal God's power. So not only did Goliath massively position David for his destiny, but this victory over the Philistine also let the entire earth know that God's hand was upon Israel. Like David, I know that you are hungry to make God famous. There are yet Goliaths in our world. They challenge us and defy the existence of our God. These giants masquerade as bullies in school, work, and public opinion. It is time we stop hiding behind rocks and run forward with the word of God in our mouths. You are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. Rivals want you to fight on their teams and in your own strength. You must not. You must be bigger than that. As children without rival, we do good when we are dealt evil. Ultimately, this is not about our glory. It is all for his. Which brings us to the next topic, which is rivals reveal your destiny. It just it just popped into my head. And I don't know if you thought of this when you were talking about um, your situation with the girls. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you and I are both in the ASAF ministry. So we know that, you know, we, we go before the people and sometimes have strife and situations that other people don't have. But I just wanted to just share this mind blowing thing that I just, it just hit me. And the same thing happened to me that happened to you. Um, I had somebody in the church dislike me greatly Mm. and I could not understand why. And I tried everything in my power to make this person like me, who is close in my family, and trying to figure out what is it that I did or could do to change to make this person like me. I don't understand. What it wound up being is she was jealous because I sing. Mm. That's not something I can change. That's not something that's my fault or something that I did that was a sin or something that I can apologize for. It's a, it's a gift that I have. So sometimes our rival, you know, that we're, that's, that's causing us sister sandpaper and we're trying to deal (laughs) with, we are their rival, but we don't realize it because we're trying so hard for them not to be our rival. Does any of that make any sense? Yeah. You can explain that better than me. I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> no, I get exactly what you're saying. And it's funny. She talks about that in this chapter as well, saying, oh, but Lisa, I thought you said we are made without rival. And that's what the point that she's trying to get across is, yeah, we shouldn't have any rivals. We were all made completely different. And we talked about this in another chapter earlier about pride and envy and how pride and envy stem out of insecurity, out of fear that we're not good enough, out of fear of abandonment and rejection. And so we live with this idea that we have a rival, which is completely false. It is a lie from the enemy himself that we have people that we could compete against and, and she explained that in the first chapter that that rivals 
they don't want to just beat you and make you lose. They want to take you off the field and make you go move to another country. They want to get you out of their hair forever. But that's the thing is that we aren't even supposed to have a rival. So she says, so why are we talking about having rivals? And it's because people will see us <laughs> like the chapter title. People will see us as their rival. And a lot of times God will allow us to be seen as their rival for their own growth, which is exactly what Miss Maureen was saying. So with that being said, our rivals reveal our destiny. It says on a uh, page. Oh, not on page. It says throughout this whole section that talks about it is where we see David and Saul and how Saul was trying so hard to get rid of David because Saul saw, <laughs> that's hard for me to say, because Saul saw David as a rival. He wanted to just get him completely off the field. He wanted to get him completely out of his hair. Uh, not only had David won every single war that they had, he also played instruments and uh, sent demons out of Saul whenever he was tormented by them. Oh, but you know, we don't like David, right? Anyways, so this whole section, they're talking about what's happening with Saul. And uh, discussion question, uh, chapter number five, it says, name three differences between fans and followers. Um, to be honest, even reading this, I, maybe there was a little section on it. I didn't see much about fans either, but it did mention how quickly a fan can become a foe. Mm, well, it was on page 107. How famous I think it was like either oh, David was. It's literally then, like, right after what I just read to you guys like 30 seconds yeah. ago. Like, oh, fans leave you versus followers will continue to follow you even through the darkest of times. Come on. Thank you. Wow. So we did read it. I think maybe the question, uh, no, nah, maybe I'm just tripping. <laughs> yeah. The flip side of famous means you have fans, not disciples or followers. Fans can be fickle. They love you one moment and hate you the next. King David didn't need fans. He needed men and women who would pledge their lives. Godly kings need wise counselors, a loyal army, and faithful servants. To draw this kind of following, David would require some refining. God had another rival position to prepare David for kingship. Wow. Thank you, Wanda. Now we can answer number six. It says, have you been running through your house with a spear in your hand? How might you put it down? Because this is where she talks about uh, Saul ending up running, literally chasing David to try to kill him in his own home, which is, mind you, technically David's anointed home because David was anointed as king. But all the people were like, nah, we want Saul because he's big and tall and strong and handsome. And so Saul ended up getting in because of all the people voting for him. But really, God said, David is the king. And so Saul was chasing David around with this spear, trying to kill him. And so this question says, have you been running through your house with a spear in your hand? Whoa. How might you put that down? 
I definitely struggle with this. There are two people in my life that I completely look up to. Um, one of them, she is a pastor's daughter. Um, and her, I love her ministry. I love her voice. She can write good songs. She's great. But I noticed that she was recording and and playing at conferences and doing all this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then it started turning into, wait a second. I do this, 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 and this. Why am I not playing at conferences and stuff anymore? And then I start teaching uh, another guy at my old church. And I start showing him how to lead worship. And I start showing him, hey, this is how you're supposed to lead a congregation. And he was a lot younger than me. And within maybe a year or two, he, he ended up taking some of my spots to lead worship. And people started asking him to teach their youth groups how to do what I taught him how to do. And I was like, this is so awesome, right? And that that's the thing, like... It is so cool what God can do. And I should have been okay with saying, wow, God, thank you for allowing me to be the one to show him how to do this. But then I started noticing he was also recording. He was also playing with a major worship team. And he was also going to a great college. And I was like, God, did you forget about me? And I was getting really like, like it got to the point where I was convicted in my heart of being really, really critical of him and being like, like angry. Every time I even heard his name, my blood would boil. And it literally, it's just like the story with Saul and David. The only thing was that I wasn't doing anything to him. I was like, I'm not talking to him. I'm not going to say anything because I love this guy. I know I love this guy. I cannot do anything to jeopardize my relationship with him because I do love him. So whatever this is, it needs to be sorted out. So I will sort it out on my own. So thank God I didn't actually criticize him because, oh, there would have been a whole world of people, you know, to back him up because he was such a good guy. He loves God and he loves the word and he is anointed and he is powerful. But I definitely found myself running in my house with a spear in my hand, making him a rival and saying that he, oh, I taught him everything he knows. And it was wrong. It was wrong of me to do that. And so I didn't know if any of you had any experiences like that, maybe at work where you've trained someone and now they're getting a supervisor position when you should have had that supervisor position like a year ago when it was promised. Um, I could say um, I, I have been really good in training and I had a lead training position. I'm gonna make it really short. Um, I have never been afraid of teaching what I know. Mm. You know, cause sometimes some people, let's say men uh, working on a machine, you start getting these little tricks and how to do this faster and what, and I was never afraid to, you know, share it. And um, in this job that I have right now, um, I used to be a lead, a lead trainer and I used to, one that I thought was my friend, I was teaching her because I wanted her to apply. But then she was like, no, I don't want that position. It's, it seems too stressful, da, da, da. So things stayed there. And then they gave me an assistant. I taught him a lot of stuff. 
But when other stuff happened, he went to the office and said that I was a problem. Mm. And now he has my position that I, you know, I, I stepped down, but he has my position and the girl that never wanted that position now is in his position. So it's like, really, really? Wow. And the area, when I went to step down, I, I expected them to say, hey, no, you know what? We need you. What else can we do to keep you? No, they just didn't. So I used to be here at home thinking, I'm like, why? Like, it's like I handed this to them. I taught mm. them these things. I showed them how to do this or that or come up with this um, better ideas. And now I'm out here in a regular position as a nation and they are over there in the leading. So it was frustrating, but I'm like, you know what, God, you got bigger things for me. Yeah. So maybe that was the, the purpose. Teach them so I could step down and look forward to other stuff. Wow. I feel like that's it's really hard to do is especially living in like in a workplace where you see them all the time. So that must have been really hard to be able to say, hey, let me take my hands off of this and just move on and move forward with the things that God has put in front of me. So kudos to you. That's that's really incredible. So rivals reveal our destiny. See, Jomira, I don't even think that I would be at Freedom Church if it hadn't been for the rivals that I faced and also making other people rivals and having to learn and grow through that. Same with Jamira. Same with you guys too, the rest of you who haven't shared your story about these rivals and these things that have happened or even where you ended up seeing someone else as your rival and having to mature and having to seek God in that. Um that we now know and we've, we now are reminded of the promise that God has given to us. And we can see how these pieces and these things have fallen into place. See, because if I had gone where this guy had gone and I had been in this band or I had recorded this or I had done this, then I probably would have said, no, nah, I'm too good for Freedom Church. I'm not doing that. You know, knowing my Ooh. own pride and God, he knew that. Man, doesn't he just know us better than we know ourselves? Yep. But that leads us to our next one. And kind of goes in exactly with what you're talking about, Jamira, Where rivals force you to guard your heart. And this is where we get into the difference between guarding our hearts and imprisoning our hearts. Hardening our hearts. So I want to read something from page 117. This is a very, uh, it's going to be a long excerpt, so bear with me. But I really think this is important and will help us with our next discussion question. There is a vast difference between guarding your heart and an imprisoned heart. One keeps vigil over an item of great value. The other could be likened to a heart on lockdown. Too many choose to harden their hearts in the hope that this will keep their hearts protected until later when they feel it is safe to let them heal. Growing up, I often choose this tactic. At first, the sense of relief was enormous. I would cut people off when they hurt me. I slammed the door of my heart so often that I find myself safely locked away. I shut off my heart until I made it my prisoner. I imagined myself impervious to the pain only to realize too late 
that I was likewise numbed to joy. Guarding your heart is protecting it rather than imprisoning it. If you have put your heart on lockdown, make time for prayer. Ask God to release your heart from its stony prison and replace your heart with one that feels both joy and pain. I know it hurts, but don't shut off your tears. Let them water your heart and keep it tender. Don't drown your pain in drugs or alcohol, which distort your senses and cause you to fall. Don't darken your mind with thoughts of revenge, which blacken your soul. Stop overthinking this. Sit down and cry as often as you need to. Be alone. Let the pain hit you full force. When the calm descends, turn your face toward heaven and lift your voice to God. Follow the pattern of David and develop the daily practice of entrusting your soul, your cause, and your rivals to God. (sighs) I love that she talked about which is our next discussion question it says how can you guard your heart without imprisoning it i love that she went through hey i know you've imprisoned your heart and here is how to soften it again and that's why i wanted to read this and so without continuing i'd like to open the floor to that last discussion question how can we guard our hearts without imprisoning them i think um us as Christians, and I say it because it happened to me. Um, at one point, there was like so much going on from each corner, each angle, like everywhere in my life, that I just felt like I just wanted to be alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just getting going away. But then knowing God, knowing Jesus, and knowing you know a little bit of the Word, and here and there, um, I used to, I used to do that, and start crying and talk to God. I'm like, look, God, um, I just need you. I need you to handle this because I don't know alone. And I know if I start hiding and if I go away, I'm. It's in, in other words, I was just trying to start burning bridges. with people that had nothing to do with the ones that were hurting me, but I just wanted to go away. I just wanted to disappear. And it was making me feel like my heart was being like starting to turn into rock because Mm -hmm. people used to tell me things. I'm like, Oh, I don't care. I'm just doing me or Mm -hmm. well, that's their business. And that was not me. So in front of other people, I was acting like that. But then at home, I was like, I can't, that's not me. God didn't give me a heart of stone. I can't do that. And he will, uh, as a testimony, he will guide you. If you ask him and if you tell him, this is happening, even though he knows, this is happening, this is how I feel. I feel this way, this is what I think. And this is these, these are all the things I would like to say, but I know they're wrong. So now is I need you to step in and he will. He will do it. Yeah. So I think that's the best way to not let your heart be hardened like that. Exactly. That's so good. With that, I wanted to continue with the importance of after we've already hardened our hearts. And that's the thing. We could harden areas of our hearts without totally imprisoning them. But there are areas where we have cut people off, where we have made a standard of cutting people off, cutting things off, saying, oop, nope, I'm done. I don't like the way that feels, so don't get next to me. There's a lot of areas like that where we notice a little poke and we're saying, 
karate chop it out of here. I don't want anything to do with whatever this is. You know, and we we create like this wall and we say, yeah, no, you thought. So I wanted to talk about that and how it really, <laughs> uh, this is where the tears come in. And this is where uh, I love that she talked about this. My dad always said, I, hopefully I can remember it correctly. He always said that tears were, uh, what is it that? Tears make the heart softer. I think that's what it was. Basically, he explained to me because I got really angry that I cried all the time. And every time I would get angry or every time I would be sad or in pain or I would think of something that disturbed me, I'd start crying. And he's like, Brina, that's okay. He's like, as you cry, it's washing your heart. It's making it soft again. He's like, you need to keep your heart soft. And I didn't understand it until reading this chapter when she literally said that. She said, I know it's hard, or I know it hurts, but don't shut off your tears. I know it hurts, but don't shut off your tears. Let them water your heart and keep it tender. Theme where it says, stop overthinking this. I'm glad she said that for y'all because I personally, I never overthink things. I'm being very sarcastic. I, I overthink every. <laughs> single solitary thing that anyone ever says I overthink it. <laughs> You're so cute. Everything. <laughs> I'm really happy she said that for you guys because I never overthink. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Thank you. I, I needed I that. I want here to show you guys that the older people are just as real and handle everything just the same as you guys do. Mm. It was really cool that she touched on that because I know that society likes to let us think that you have to be strong. You know, you're a woman. You have to stand strong. You have to cut people off. You can't allow anything toxic into your life. Don't let any negativity into your life. Don't let anyone say anything about you. Don't let anyone say anything about your family. Don't let anyone come near you. If it even looks like they're bad news, you do what it takes to get them out of your way. And that's simply not the love of God. That's simply not what we are commanded to do. Uh, Not just as women, but as followers of Christ. This goes for everyone. And... It is such a hard lesson to learn because we have been taken advantage of. We've been hurt by other women, by men. We have been wounded and broken by people. And so obviously we want to protect ourselves from those people. But God, (laughs) he literally commanded us. To even love them and not to rejoice when they fall. Not to rejoice. This is something that God just convicted me of this week. Was I said, you know what? This pastor did this to me and he will be held accountable. Praise the Lord that he will be held accountable for what he's done to me. And God said, are you really happy with that? You know what my judgment looks like. I've shown you what my judgment means. And you really want to wish that on someone? 
He's like, don't, why aren't you praying that he would come to repentance? And I was like, well, because he'll never apologize to me. And that's the thing. I keep making this about myself. We keep making this about ourselves. And so we want to protect ourselves. We want to make things better for ourselves versus understanding the big picture, which it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy that we're learning about this now when Pastor Israel is preaching on the the kingdom of God and looking at the big picture that God, and he says this in the, what is it, the first chapter, that God loves these other people. No, he loves them differently, but he does love each of us. That got me. This in this chapter, as you can tell, is uh, having to remind myself that it's okay that up until this point, I have imprisoned my heart. I have uh, put up walls and I'm not just guarding my heart. I'm not fighting for my heart. I'm uh, hardening my heart and keeping it away from everything else and away from everyone else and saying, no, this is mine. I'm independent. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to make sure that I never get touched or poked or stabbed ever again. This heart is never going to be broken. And something that I've always said, but I never really took as my own, was that in life, we're always going to get broken. Our hearts will always be torn. Our hearts will always get hurt. That that is life. That when we open up to other people, we will get hurt because that is what it means to experience and to grow and to mature. I think I said this to one of my siblings, uh, to my brother. He is single, ladies. I'm just kidding. Uh, but he is single. <laughs> and uh, he, we were talking about, you know, relationships. And he's like, I just don't want to get hurt again. And I said, well, too bad. Because that's what having someone, a person, a human, bound by their flesh, that's what happens. So you you don't want to get hurt again? Great. (laughs) Stay abstinent. Stay with the Lord and love him and let that be enough for you. But if you believe that there is a woman out for you, that there is a woman that God has set apart, that he has promised for you, then you cannot tell yourself that you won't get hurt again because that is life. That is what it means to have a connection, to build a relationship with someone is I'm going to get hurt. But it's how we respond to that hurt that not only helps us grow, but will also influence the other person. And I think that that really is what she's talking about. She says on page 121, it is a gift to be able to discern who our true friends are, yet at the same time, it is often our rivals who ultimately make us true. We can argue our case or we can lay it before God. We can thank God that he is using a rival to refine or reposition us, or we can whine. We can complain or we can pray and sing like David The choice is ours to make, and no rival can take that away from us. And that's her whole point, is that we have a choice. We can choose how we see our rivals. 
We can choose how we respond to our rivals. And ultimately, we can choose how we love those rivals. Our job is to say, I don't see you as a rival. You might see me as a rival, but I don't see you as a rival. Because you are created different. You are created with your gifts and your talents. And you are incredible just the way you are. So, with that being said, I would like to open the floor. I love that you guys were sharing different quotes and things that you liked about this chapter. Um, So, if you have any more, definitely now's the time uh, to say it. Maybe get a conversation going. Um, But as far as this chapter goes, I believe that that sums it up. I think our biggest rivals is ourselves sometimes and our mindset. Absolutely. So like sometimes I'm I'm like that too. I'm in my mind and I need to get out of that. So that way I can look at, have different perspectives and look at things clearly and with a better light and more positively. Wow. Do you find that you like, do you tell yourself negative things or you just feel insecure? Like, how do you go about Like, what do you struggle with in your mind? I think it's just feeling insecure Mm. at times with, like, the people around me Mm. or I'm not good enough. And then I catch myself. I'm like, you know what? No, I am good enough. Oh, this this outfit's okay. I can care less how I look at this point. (laughs) I'm going to walk out the door looking like this, but okay. Right. Um, But I I have to tell myself those things. It won't work. Um, I wanted to say, um, I think I'm because of what Wanda was saying, I'm hard on myself because um, of me, I do talk to myself like, you know what, why are you going to do this? You, you don't know, you have no idea how to do that. Like, um, Mm. what makes you think that you will achieve this or, or like applying? I'm, I'm in I have two friends that have been, um, oh, they were here, Rocky and Joanny, they were here on the small group, and she's wanting me to apply for the sales position, and she's like, please do it all this week. Both of them have been texting me, and in my mind, I'm like, they don't know you. They don't know that you're not capable, but then I mm. see their messages, and they're like, we know you can, you're strong, you you are this, you're smart, you could do this, and I'm like, no, but I'm crazy, and then it comes the message that Brina sent me. Those Mm. are lies from the devil because week before, I think it was, I was in my house and I was going up the stairs and I remember when I said, you know what? I need help because I'm crazy. I am crazy. And I started crying and I went and I went into my bathroom and I just cried and cried and I came outside and I told my husband, I'm like, I'm crazy. Like, I am crazy. I need help. And few days later, you send me that message. And in the message, it says it. When the when those voices tell you that you're crazy, you are not. Wow. And I started crying. And I had to send, show my husband the message. I'm like, look what Brina just sent me. But that was God through her. It was God. It was the Lord. And I do. I, I think um, my rival, it's myself. But even before this book, I was already working on that. I was already working on stopping myself of hurting myself with words with bad thoughts and looking at what I got I have a beautiful family I have a good job I have 
I have everything to be happy. Mm. And the main one is that I know the Lord and I'm in the truth. So I, 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 I work every day to be like, no, um, you're not your enemy. You're not your rival. We have enough of that already in the world. You need to be with you. You need to have your own back. So, yeah, I, I believe that this book, God brought it in the perfect time. Wow. So, Yamada, you must have a real calling on your life for the enemy to fight you like that because yeah. that's when the enemy fights you the most is when God has something very powerful for you to do and the enemy is scared. So know Amen. that you're doing something right. You're doing something right. That's why you're being. Amen. I, I have been I have, since I came, uh, became part of Freedom Church. Um, I have been working on that and fighting with that and looking like, oh, my God, God, what, what is it? What is it? But now I'm like, you know what? It's simple. Whenever the time comes, he's going to show it to me. He's going to guide me. He's going to tell me what door I'm going to go through. And that's what I'm going to do. So that's another thing that I have been fighting because I'm like, no, how am I going to know? Oh, my God, what if I choose the wrong door or what? No. He is going to do everything how it's supposed to, and I'm going to keep fighting. It, it hurts, and it's hard, but I'm going, to be, I'm going to keep fighting. Wow. As we, you know, obviously read the next chapter, and as we grow, like, through this book, I really want you guys to understand that this is, at least for this season, this is what she's teaching us is how to soften our hearts again and to be open for what God has to say, but to see ourselves and see other people as completely different, but still loved by the same God who created us all. And so I encourage you to um, maybe challenge yourselves this week to pray for someone specifically or even pray for everyone, uh, but definitely take time to pray for your friend or your sister or a woman that you know because we uh, we've already said it in this discussion alone how much of a rival we can be to ourselves it's like we know more now like who god has called us to be and who we were created to be but for some reason instead of assuming that and saying god what can i do to be that that you've called me to instead we're trying to compete with it and say, okay, well, I can do this, 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 this. I can never be that. I could never do that. And I realized that a lot of the people that I look up to, I kind of view the promises that God has given me kind of like that. Like, oh, I'll never be that. Oh, I'll never lose that much weight. I'll never do this. I could never lead worship there because I'd have to jump around and I get out of breath even just walking up a flight of stairs. Like, we keep seeing that version of ourselves as a rival, just like we do that other person or that other thing. And so I just like to encourage you guys to pray for each other uh, because this is real. We are going through real battles. And even just hearing Jamira speak a little bit about her battle. I mean, obviously, I think you should go through with applying for this sales job. Um, that's something that even I've learned. Even if I'm not qualified, let me just do it. The worst that yeah. can happen is they don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it after the 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 Zoom call. I am gonna do it because if I leave it for the week, it's gonna be harder because I go back to work tomorrow. But yes, yes I am gonna do it. Just do it. It'll be easy. Just apply, and if guys. they don't give you a call back, then fine. And if you get an interview, we'll hype you up. And the thing is, it's in, in my same. It's in the same company. 
Ooh. It's just in a different department and all that. I'm like, well, what what can happen? They don't call me and I just say where I'm at. So also, also, you can always learn new things. I've always said okay. that if I don't even know how to do it, that's OK. That's what training is for. Exactly. Well, we're definitely going to pray about that. Does anyone else have any prayer requests before we close out? I don't have any prayer requests, but I just wanted to add on to what Yomira was saying with regard to applying to the position. I think she should also go for it. Like, again, what's the worst that can happen? You, yeah. We don't get a call back, you know? I'm, I'm going to go through something similar, too, in a few months because I'm kind of taking a little break from work. But I also think in those situations, God's probably trying to put other people in your life that maybe you can bring to him or that, you know, serve another purpose for you. And that's the mindset that I'm trying to have too. Like maybe it didn't work out at my last job for whatever reason. And maybe that's God is trying to position me elsewhere for, for, for purpose. Yep. Go for it. Thank you. Go for it. (laughs) Yay! I'm excited now. (laughs) Oh yeah. You've got all our support at least. That's it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, God, that you have placed these women in my life. God, that we are able to grow together. We're able to learn more about you together. Thank you, God, because there's joy in connecting with people. There's joy in building relationships. God, and I am so grateful that you are moving here that you are speaking to us here, that you have obviously spoken through Lisa Bevere, but God, you have put us together for a reason. You know everything about us and you know what's best for us. And God, I pray as we go on this week that you would give Jemira strength, God, that you would speak to her, you would encourage her and build her up, God. I speak against any thought of insecurity, any fear of rejection, any fear of abandonment from her friends that she has now at work. God, I pray that you would work mightily in her life, that you would strip those things away that are not going to take her where you've called her to go, but that you would give her and bless her with those things that will help her be obedient to you. And God, I thank you for Miss Maureen and Rebecca. God, I thank you for Pastor Stephanie and for Miss Wanda. Lord, we thank you so much that you have created us all different, that you have given each and every one of us a calling and a passion and a dream and a vision, Lord. And I pray that we would walk firmly in you that we would walk each step in obedience and that we would ultimately just walk in the direction of your kingdom that we wouldn't look from side to side but that our eyes would be fixed on you in jesus name we pray amen thank you so much for joining us today these episodes are recorded directly from live discussions and we would love to see you there you can always visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com for any information you might need. And remember, the world needs you, woman of letters.